Testing one, two, testing one, two. This is Boiler Dowd in another, another attempt to do a, uh, a live cast. It's 4.30 on a Monday, January 4th. And uh, instead of instead of looking backwards to 2020, I thought about doing that. I thought about doing a retrospective, which a, a lot of people like doing that, you know, at the end of the year, looking back at 2020. Uh, I kind of went against it. I thought, why would we want to talk about 2020 again? I, for one, don't want to do that. I had enough of 2020 already. It's one of the first years in my 45 that I've really celebrated the end of a year as much as the beginning of another. Uh, I'm very excited about what lies ahead for 2021 for multiple reasons and ready to put 2020 behind me. And when if you're anything like me, you... Uh, you might have some optimism just because you're like, okay, let's 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 look forward. But if you look back, you may have some of those flashes of positivity. That's a good thing. Having a uh, having having a uh, having some positive thoughts of last year are are, are nothing but positive. When, it's nothing but a good thing. And when I think about the positives of 2020, one of the big things I think of right away is Travion Williams' 36 and 20 game versus Michigan. That was a good one, right? I think about uh, that great. Iowa performance, right? That was that was a lot of fun to see, to see um, a balanced Purdue football attack beating a solid team. Iowa is very good. Seeing the two-headed monster really of uh, Aiden O'Connell and Xander Horvath uh, combined for the the W over the most hated rival, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Those are good things. But overall, when I think of 2020, I think of things like. Probably not making the NCAA tournament. I think of the cancellation of the NCAA tournament, the cancellation of the Big Ten tournament on the fly that happened, which was very weird, and the subsequent COVID shutdown, which was uh, tough for everybody and still going on much of the country. So when we look ahead to 2021, we got a vaccine coming. We got a lot of uh, good measures, a lot of good things where, like I said, during football season, we figured out how to handle uh, living with the virus dance with the virus a little bit, things are moving forward. This is a good thing. So I'm excited about 21 and beyond. And that's what I want to talk about today. But before I do it, let's talk a bit about the sponsors, the people that make it uh, really possible for us to do what we do at the, the site. Of course, uh, you know AJ's, don't you? AJ's is a great uh, place to get a bite to eat, great burger, and uh, one of their 20 beers on tap. If you're on campus, if you're in God's country, head over to AJ's. Grab some pub fare. And if you don't want to do that, you want to sit on your fat rear end. I'm just kidding. Or uh, go to eatajs.com and uh, get a burger. Get a pint. Get uh, some of those mac and cheese bites that I like so much. Eatajs.com. Also, Gridiron Metalworks. You know Gridiron Metalworks. If you if you know about us on Twitter, um, Gridiron Metalworks makes uh, custom grill grates. And they also uh, they'll do stuff with Purdue on it. But they'll do stuff. You can have Derek, our pal dial you up something special, uh, something just for you, something just with your family on it, on your grill grate, or maybe some some stuff for your backyard or your deck, whatever. Uh, it's going to be high tech. It's going to be high quality. Uh, GridironMetalWorks.com. And finally, Martin Vintage. Martin Vintage, uh, they, we've been with them a long time. A good, solid relationship. Martin Vintage, soft, comfortable, great-looking Purdue gear. It's may, maybe not something you need after Christmas, but it's something you'll want. MartinVintage.com. And are boiled for 15% off. And check out that... Uh, uh, that old oaken bucket t-shirt. It's pretty cool. I've got one sitting right there in my office, actually. Uh, but uh, 
let's get back to the discussion of the future. And before we go in the future, let's look at the now. Matt Painter is currently 362 and 174 as a coach at Purdue. That's pretty solid. Um, he's in a he's in a good position, but I think the the good thing if you look at Matt Painter is that there's some pretty big upside and there's a long way to go. He's 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 a relatively young man. Um, I think he's uh, in his late 40s, if not 50. Um, he's uh, just a few years older than me. Um, you look ahead at this decade coming, the, the 20s, and um, some good, good things could happen. And I think some good things will happen. At the end of that decade, at the end of the 20s, if Painter stick, sticks around Purdue, which I think he will, I think he likes where he is, I think Purdue likes him, he would be 583 and 283. That would be uh, 221 and 109. Uh, for the decade of the 20s, 21 through uh, 29. Uh, for, for your reference, Gene Cady, um, who retired at age 69 with 27 years of experience at Purdue, was uh, 5'12 and 270. So would have surpassed Cady, in my estimation, by uh, 2026. And if you do the averages, around 33 games a, a year and I'm pretty bullish on these boilers. I think some good things are going to happen here, and I'll tell you why in a second. But Painter, uh, if you keep going, I think he will. I think he will coach until he's 70 years old. Hopefully, he's at Purdue. Hopefully, things go the way I think they're going to. And if he does, he'll be in the top 15 to 20 all time, unless he stays well into his 70s. If he stays just into 69, like like Katie did, he will pass Lute Olson and Bo Ryan and John Beeline and Jerry Tarkanian, the guy who sucked on the towel at uh, UNLV. So why do I think the future is bright for Matt Painter and the program that he has built? Well, it's pretty simple. The last three recruiting classes, including the one that's coming next year, have been solid. And Painter, uh, he started figuring this out a couple years ago, is really recruiting guys that want to be Boilermakers. For the most part, they stick around. We had, we had a little hiccup uh, last summer, of course, last spring, with Nogel and uh, Harms leaving. This group, you can probably see it already. If you're watching with, uh, with a fair-minded eye, this Purdue team has big, big upside. And so I'm bullish on these boil- uh, this, the, the basketball boilers because of that group and because of Painter's past and also some things he figured out in 2018. He coached a little bit different when Carson Edwards was there. And I think we can't discount the fact that the guy's willing to change, willing to tweak his, his system and get better and grow up and adapt to the talent. He's going to have a lot of it next year. He's going to have a lot of it the year after that, depending on who stays and how long they stay. But the next couple of years are pretty pivotal for our Boilers, and I think some good things will happen. One thing I think it's going to happen when I look ahead to uh, the, the early 20s, like 21 to 23, I think Painter's going to get to the Final Four. Um, and I, didn't, I don't think he's going to get a national title at Purdue, but I think he's going to get to the Final Four, and I think that would be uh, a hell of a deal for, for the Purdue diehards, people like me who have been around a long time, and I think it's coming because of the parts that are going to be in place, the depth that's going to be in place. You're going to see a talented, deep Purdue team in the next two years. Um, you already see that talent starting to show itself, um, whether it's Newman or it's Ivy or it's uh, Edie, who have all shown little flashes. They're going to put this thing together. I have a lot of faith in this coaching staff and a lot of faith in this, that talent. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that'd be pretty good news to see Purdue go to the Final Four. For the reference, uh, Painter's already been to one Elite Eight, and Katie went to two Elite Eights for his, his t- entire time at Purdue. And uh, I think if, if Painter gets over the hump and gets to that Final Four, I think you're going to see two or three more Elite Eights in the decade after that. 
Now let's move on to the to football, where it's a bit of a more of a mi- mixed bag. Obviously, uh, last two years I've been uh, how you say tough to deal with, but but uh, there's some things we can talk about that are positive. There's some there's some things we can talk about that are potentially negative. Um, I think I'm gonna give you a pretty fair shake if you'll if you'll sit with me for a minute. Jeff Brom just celebrated his fourth year, his fourth birthday, if you will, at Purdue. One thing that's interesting, one thing that's interesting when I did some research, I found out that the average college football coach in Division One has 3.8 years uh, on the clock. That's it. 3.8 years at that school. And we, we've seen some firings this offseason. We always do. Sadly, no one's called Tom Allen yet. He deserves the job, guys. Give him the ring. But uh, Jeff Brom is currently making $6.6 million a year. It's a lot of money. I think it's a lot of money regardless of where you are. It's a lot of money for college football, which is a wealthy sport. It puts him in the top 10 in the nation. Uh, two of his salary neighbors, if you will, uh, the two just above him, Tom Herman and uh, Gus Malzahn, have recently been fired. Even so, uh, I think Brom's position in the top 10 sticks around about the same with the other jockeying of, of salaries. I think he'll probably be in the top 10 probably until maybe next season, just because of the nature of the business, more people are coming up. Um, the reason I bring that up is, uh, is because I don't think when I look ahead, um, uh, I just don't see a scenario in which Brom's going to be around for much more than the first half of this decade. I'll tell you why. Like I said, he's been here four years already, four seasons. When you look at Purdue's past, when you look at the gold standard for Purdue football coaches and Purdue program, right away you think of Joe Tiller and Fat Jack Mollenkoff. Tiller was at Purdue for 12 seasons. Mollenkoff was there for 14. Um, both those guys, uh, a little bit like Brom, came right in, made a uh, made a punch and uh, – Mollenkoff, not as much, but Tiller right away was great. Really very, very good. Went from uh, a five, around a 4-5 win uh, team with Coletto up to an 8 win and an Alamo Bowl uh, win in Tiller's first season. Mollenkoff, his first season, wasn't his greatest, but right after that, he took them up to 7-8 wins, I believe. Their 14 seasons, he took them to a Rose Bowl. Tiller, Tiller took them to multiple bowls. I think he took them to... I want to say nine bowls in 12 years. Of course, Molenkoff only took him to one bowl because the league only let one team go to a bowl at that point, and that was the Rose Bowl. And he went to the bowl. He went to the Rose Bowl in 67. Tiller went in 01. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But those guys, 12 and 14 years uh, is a pretty solid amount of time, and we're in year four right now for Brom. Uh, uh, Brom as he sits right now, is uh, is six games under 500. Purdue is 19 and 25. He's he's he passed the mid uh, he passed the midway point of uh, his coaching time so far, if you will. He had 40 games at Western Kentucky, and um, and now he's got 44 at Purdue. Um, the last two seasons have been tough. I think everybody would agree with that. And the reason they've been tougher for multiple, uh, you had the injuries hit them hard last year. This year, you had some continuity issues. You had um, Obviously, uh, COVID played a part, uh, pulled some guys that were, out that were important. You had some guys opt out. Um, it was weird. It was The camp was weird. Everything was off. I don't think it's a reason to write off the season, say it doesn't count. I'm not that guy. I do think it's a reason to say things should be better, and I think they will get better. 
Uh, I'm not one of the people that think this is Jeff Brom the last two seasons. In fact, I think the previous six of his coaching career um, are more of what he is, a guy that's a um, a seven to nine win type of guy. That's what I think he is. Um, so the reasons that I believe the future is bright, let's look back up to basketball, and I will say the same thing here with Brom, and that is you have three recruiting classes in a row that have set a foundation for this football program that we haven't seen in a long time. And I'd say we have, really haven't seen this sort of talent base since 2005 when Tiller was there. He's had three recruiting classes in a row that are in the top 50 of America. He had 49, 26, and then in 2020 they were 30th before the drop-off of 2021. I would argue, though, the 2021 class, while it's not getting the critical acclaim that the others have gotten, will have some important parts of it. I think there's going to be some very good receivers coming out of that group a great defensive back, a couple really, really good offensive linemen. Of course, the cherry on top, Yanni Karloftis coming to Purdue, is a big deal. And whenever you have legacies, choose to come to, to play their brother or their dad or their mom came, that is nothing but positive for the culture of a program. This is, this is really, really good stuff, and I think Yanni Karloftis is going to be important. What's the missing piece, though, right now for Jeff Brown? What's the missing piece? Viewer out there. For me, this is very, very simple. The missing piece is a multi-year, all-conference type starting quarterback. Dave Blau was good. Sindelar was good. But Dave Blau was a very inconsistent guy who the Brom brothers turned into an all-conference type player and eventually into an NFL roster quarterback. Pretty good turnaround. I believe the Brahms have it in them to bring quarterbacks along and make them great. So if you're going to be skeptical, you'd look at uh, the 2020, so I have Michael Burns just said the 2021 uh, O-line class is strong. Um, and, uh, I think they're, uh, I think that 2021 class is that offensive line is very strong. In fact, I think you may have two guys start next year. Um, but, uh, you'll definitely see one play almost right away in September. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. Um, so then if, you, um, if, if, we go, if we go further, what's that thing missing? It's that quarterback. Let's look at the stable. Again, we've looked at it for the last year. You've got AOC, Plummer, Burton, and Alamo. Um, this, is a, this is a core group that can do some things. If, if I look at AOC again with critical eyes or with realistic eyes, there are a lot of quarterbacks around that remind me of AOC. I'll say one that really reminds me of him, of course, is um, uh, Peyton Ramsey, who... Uh, played at Northwestern. He's a bit, Ramsey's a bit more mobile than AOC, but a similar arm, a similar kind of rah-rah type of guy where guys like to rally around him. Of course, Plummer, I think, has a bigger arm, but gets a little yippy. He starts throwing off his back foot, which is bothersome. It's a uh, um, Yeah, Zach Richards is great, Michael. I agree. Um, I'm telling you, there are four guys. There, there are there are some great offensive linemen in that class 21. Let me get back on here. I'm, I'm bad at uh, staying focused, but, um, Burton has uh, a very, uh, he's very mobile. He's good at keeping his eyes downfield. And then finally, Alamo, I think there's reason to believe Alamo will be in the mix for the starting job come the fall. Uh, this kid has swagger. This kid believes in himself. I think he's the type of kind of, um, uh, I don't want to use the wrong word, but he's, he's got enough confidence that I think he could, he could, he could start next year he could take the starting role from Plummer or AOC and 
Honestly, he needs to at least mix it up and make the competition good. One of these guys has to step up in a hurry because these receivers are very good and they need someone to distribute the ball to them. We saw a little bit of flash to it. We obviously know David Bell's great, but on top of that, you got Malik Carr, you've got uh, Yassine, Sullivan, Sheffield, Marcellus Moore, and then the new guys that are added that I think are rock solid. It may take a year or so for them to get on the field, but they're going to be very good. Um, so they, so the, you need to get someone who's going to do that, uh, that group justice, uh, and you need somebody to step up quickly. I think this next year, Purdue will transition into a six or seven win team. I think that's a pretty good place to be coming from where they were with the four straight losses at the end of the year last year. And then I think things take off, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, one thing that's really disconcerting, if you want to say something that's really bad about the football team, a reason to be down on them, that is the fact that they've been at the bottom of the conference running the ball the last two years. I think that's tough to watch and witness. Let's compare and contrast that to the Knox and Jones two-headed monster uh, in Brahms' first two years where they, they may not have led the conference, but when you needed guys to run the ball, run it hard, uh, get a short yardage uh, first down, they could do it. And it wasn't just them. And that comes back to that offensive lineman, that offensive line class of 21, the group that started developing last year, the class of 20. I mean, Hartwig was, let's not forget, he was all-conference honorable mention as a true freshman. That's pretty, pretty rare air to see that happen right away. And I think he's going to be very, very good. So obviously losing Hermans is a big big deal for the, that front group, but um, the offensive line needs to develop in a hurry, and that will help make everything better. Let's not forget Mollenkoff's offensive lines were great. Uh, they could run the ball with Keys and Armstrong, and then they had awesome quarterbacks and Greasy and Phipps, and then Tiller's offensive lines were great. In fact, he produced a bunch of Pro Bowl-type guys, and uh, they busted up holes for Montrell Lowe, Jared Void and Corey Sheets, and then they kept the jerseys clean of Drew Brees and Kyle Orton, among other quarterbacks. Offensive line development is important, and I think you're going to see it quickly. I think these group, this these last two classes are going to do big things, and I think we're going to sprinkle in maybe a grad transfer or two. We already have one, and uh, we'll add more. So uh, when we look to the future and we look at uh, what's coming for this decade in the next few years, um, Jay on Twitter joked about, uh, he said it, it was 30, a mere 34 years between Purdue's two Rose Bowl appearances in 67 and 01. It's a long time. Um, and I really don't want to wait, uh, 34 years between 01 and that's, that'd take us to, uh, 2035. I'm not really up for that. I'm not up for the wait. So I'm going to give you my hot take as I look ahead to the future in 2021 and beyond. I think Purdue's going to go to the Rose Bowl in 2023. Might sound like a pipe dream, but that's what a hot take is. And I think there will be enough parts in place. And I think Brom is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be uh, a man possessed next year. You're going to see a quick turnaround. And then in two years, Purdue's going to be really, really good. So that would take us to, uh, you know, after 2023, what would that mean? I think Brom would become a hot commodity. Um, if things don't go that way, I think we'd have a problem, a different problem, different sort of problem. But either way, it's kind of a tough scenario to see Brom as Purdue's football coach at the end of the 20s. My ideal situation is he becomes a Kirk Ferentz type of guy. I just don't know if it'll happen. So uh, that's about it. Uh, Michael Burns has another question. Did Tariq Mur Murphy leave the program? Um, not as of 
now, uh, from what I understand. I don't think he's left the program. I believe he opted out, and I think he wasn't the only one that uh, opted out. So I think Murphy is still with the program as of right now. I also don't know who the new defensive coordinator is as of right now on Monday, January 4th at 4.51 p.m. But um, I think there's, uh, there's enough reason if you're, if, you're, if you're analytical enough to see that there are some good things here. I think the Purdue football team could be quite good next year, and there's reason to be hopeful. So that's my thoughts on 2021 and after for this decade for Jeff Brom, Matt Painter, and the Purdue men's basketball team and the football team. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, sticking with me through this uh, live cast. I don't know how it looks, how it sounds. I will test it uh, and make a look or take a look after I post it here. I think it takes a minute to process it, but I do appreciate you tuning in and um, hope you enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts here uh, in the comments below. Please subscribe if you haven't before. We're at about 20 minutes, which is a pretty decent time. But um, also, uh, let us know on Twitter. It's a great place to, to give us your thoughts directly. And like I said, do appreciate you doing it. Uh, hammered down. God bless you. Have a great evening. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.